Have patience, have patience, don't be in such a hurry when you get Put something in it and a song Put something in it and a song will come at Music Machine. Music Machine is like no other gadget that you've ever seen. Like an MP3 player? No, because you've seen an MP3 player. It's like no gadget you've ever seen. Like a Walkman. No, you've it seen a Walkman. Like a CD player. God. Like a 2XL. How thick are you? Pretty thick. I'm, you know, now I have to look up a picture. You can go ahead and get started if you want. I don't want to see a picture. Which of this we're already thing. recording. Yeah, we're, 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 we're already started. Here it is, uh, folks. We're at Geek Shock number 69, dude. 69, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I am Master Torgo. I am Dr. Vlork. And I am 80s Jeff looking up a picture of the music machine. No, I've never we, heard of. we started talking about uh, an, an old Christian uh, cassette tape, or LP, as Jeff had yes. growing up. Uh, it was uh, it was very amusing though. It had very catchy songs. Yeah. It was it was you know a when series you're a kid, of things. Yeah, when you're I've a kid, it's, it. yep. Music machine. You keep saying it. That'll An American garage it. rock and psychedelic. No, that's not that's not it at all. The no, music no, it's not. Nowhere <laughs> psychedelic near. Psychedelic rock band? No. Well, you know, although Christian if, psychedelic al- rock band. Although if you took acid, you might get an interesting trip out of it. That's possible. I think that might be the picture I'm looking for. Hold on. Yeah, here it is. Uh, so he's, he's, he's indoctrinating Barry in the world of Music yes, Machine. But we're indoctrinating you in geek news this week. But before we continue on with that, uh, we were a little bit premature on the thing last week, guys. Were we? Uh, we we uh, put out there the uh, the shortened demise of GOG.com, goodoldgames.com. Yeah, I noticed that. I, I got an email out. about from GOG about uh, them... Releasing some Baldur's Gate thing. I thought, they, oh, wait a minute. It was a complete restructure. They tore down the site for a full restructure, and they're better than ever. So, yeah, kind of kind of upset that uh, we are kind of duped on that one, and they've kind of put out a little apology. Because they made it seem like they were falling apart. But their apology is well accepted because, yes, they have the Hasbro license, so they are selling Baldur's Gate. This week they just uh, released Planescape Torment. So all you uh, old school RPGers, you want to get your Windows Seven Baldur's Gate action going? I kind of want to get my Baldur's Gate action going because my D and D players have just left Baldur's Gate. Now I never played the Baldur's Gate game, and Are I'm kind of curious how much I fucked Baldur's Gate up for my players. That I'm is sure a I'd fun, fun game. Have I? <laughs> oh uh, no, yeah. you, you didn't <laughs> fuck things up. No, you you were fine. Okay, but. As far as games go, that that's a special place in many gamers' hearts, uh, myself amongst them. So, well, understand that the and the new D and D stuff takes place a hundred years after the Spell Plague. So, all the all the events of Neverwinter Nights, Neverwinter Nights Two, and Baldur's Gate, and all those happened a long time ago. Yes. So, so new DMs can't really screw a lot of things up in the universe. It does help. It helps a lot, especially for people like me who've never played Baldur's Gate. Or, you know, we just lie a lot. <laughs> we just, we're liars. So, so I found a picture of the music machine, and uh-huh. I showed it's it terrible. And I showed it to Barry. It's terrible. And he said it was like no contraption that he's ever seen. I no. lie too, sir. <laughs> See, you've seen something like that? Yes, in Baldur's Gate. Oh, okay. Really? No, because I've never seen it. So you, just, you, you're lying. Exactly. They're, they're, lying they're, again. Yeah, I you're am so a proud. DM, I lie. That's true. I roll 21s all the time. Yes, you do. Because you're a liar. And today you is lie. officially... Very nice with that, that yeah. reference, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Uh, today is National Ask a Stupid Question Day. <laughs> oh, Terry does that all the time. Ask a Stupid Question Day. The, uh, the idea behind uh, Ask a Stupid Question Day is for students to not feel inhi- inhibited about asking stupid questions in an educational setting. So... Uh, according to uh, you ever done Telegraph, a web design? every day they ask a stupid question. <laughs> <today>. <laughs> uh, the d- tradition apparently dates back to the 1980s in the U.S., and the day falls either on the 28th of September or the last school day of the month. So there, 28th. Kids always ask. Stupid so, questions. so if you have a stupid question, ask us. Write to us comments at uglycouchshow.com. Well, write it in the comment section. You know how to do it. You've done it. Kids have to ask stupid questions because they don't know the answers. They're too young to know. Yeah. It's when hey. you're an adult. And you should know the answer, and you ask a question that you really are getting into the whole stupid questions. At least preface it by saying, this may be a stupid question. Then you're forgiven. That's true. It it does help if you buffer it. 
Yeah. And there are some ignorant motherfuckers out there. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, and many things in our own lives, we're all ignorant in some way. Well, yes. Un- un- undereducated, if you will. Thank you. Okay. That works fine. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. I right. went through the public school system. I'm woefully undereducated. <laughs> yeah, especially when it comes to web design. Oh, ah, whoa, there it is. It. Wow. No, I'm actually jealous. I'm jealous of the kids that went to private school. I got a friend of mine, uh, Rub, who went to uh, a school here in town called The Meadows. And what the stuff that he was doing when he was a junior and senior in high school uh-huh. far outstrips what I was doing when I was a junior and senior in high school. Really? Well, yeah, like, like after I... I think the year before I graduated in, in Wichita, they started this magnet school system. Yeah. And... Like, now they have kids learning audiovisual techniques that I had to go to college for to learn. Exactly. And, and they're getting to do that as part of their basic education. They're like, well, this is what I think I want to do with my life. Oh, okay, where are you going to send you to this specialized magnet school? And I'm where like, was this shit yeah. when we were in school? Exactly. No, no, we were, we were listening to the Music Machine, and they were <laughs> we doing these audiovisual things. Stuff. Yeah, I know. But, you know, whatever. So, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Dude, you know what I did this week. You played Civ Five, didn't you? Dude, that's all I did. Let me tell you something. When someone says, hey, what'd you do on Saturday? Dude, all I did was play Civ Five. You texted me as your civilization went along. I followed your game through your texts. This is true. But when someone says, oh, all I did all day was, like, play Civ Five," If I say to you, all I did all day was watch TV, that means that I sat around, I ate Cheetos... I drank beer, I sat on the TV, I sat on my ass, watched TV, made dinner, you know, something. No, I literally woke up, went over to the computer, and played Civ 5. I don't remember <laughs> eating. I think I peed. I washed myself uh, with a rag on a stick. <laughs> I did not wash myself. Oh. There was no one else home. No, I know did, so. I fed the dog. Okay. Okay. Something. I just... I just played Civ Five all fucking day. <laughs> That's all. And then I looked up. Oh, the sun has gone away. That's it. I, I what is this this feeling? Oh, I am empty inside. I must fill myself with food. So I filled myself with food, and I went right back to Civ Five. I felt angry for having missed that time away from the keyboard for those few minutes at the fridge. <laughs> I found something I didn't have to cook because that would take time away. From Civ Five, oh you see. lord! And then I went to sleep, angry, because all that time sleeping, I could be taking over countries. That's true. Sleep, <laughs> sleep gives you cancer. Everyone knows. So this. when I say sleep that's all I did, cancer. that is all I motherfucking did. <laughs> how about, Hardcore. How about you, sir? Uh, um, Jeff, what'd you I, do? I had a couple of geeky things going on this weekend. Oh, yeah, I, what's uh, I went to the Atomic Testing Museum on Saturday. Damn Love cool. it. Hadn't, hadn't been there in a while. Um, Unfortunately, uh, it started running out of time before I had to go off to the other job, so uh-huh. I uh, had to kind of rush out of there at the very end of the museum, which is what I had to do the last time I went there, because... <laughs> you need to well, start in the middle. Well, the last time they, they were closing, but uh, I went there with uh, friends of the show, Greg and Lynn. Okay. We had a good time. For people who don't live in Las Vegas, we have a museum dedicated to nuclear weapons testing here in Las Vegas. Specifically um, the Nevada test site north yes. of... North of Las Vegas. Which Some was... people in other cities have museums to, like, yarn and bullshit. We have <laughs> nuclear weapons museums. And it's an affiliate of the Smithsonian. So, I mean, it's actually a really, really well-put-together museum. And they have... I mean, it, it really... It doesn't... I mean, it's, in some of the interviews, it does take a, a opinion on, you know, whether it is a good or a bad thing to have mm-hmm. the atomic bomb, but... For the most part, it's merely a history of the atomic bomb from its creation up until uh, the last moratorium on um, atomic testing. And it's cool as hell. It, it's it really cool. They have uranium. video footage of underground tests being done, which is really freaky because you just see you see the Earth pop up a couple of feet, and then all of a sudden it sinks like thirty feet into the ground. As the, uh, the I like that that form. bunker, that fake bunker, yeah. the theater that they have. Yep. That gives you that feeling like it's actually happening outside. Although uh-huh. I was in it this time, uh-huh. and the blast of air that's supposed to simulate the shock wave hitting yeah. the bunker that you're in, the observation bunker, okay. wasn't as powerful. So it's either either not in good a shape as it was the last no. time I was there, or 
Um, they've toned it down. Whichever one it is, I'm not sure. But uh, it was still a lot of fun. I, you know, it's, it's really educational, and I, I love stuff like that. I love science, and I love learning about technology and we science have a few and how they fun museums here we in do. Vegas. We got the Erotic Heritage Museum. Right. And, and spe- I still haven't been there. I still want to go. Yeah. And uh, my geeky thing this week, I, I went to a museum as well. What did you do? This is not going to help my, uh, my reputation with the guys here, but I went to the Liberace Museum. Oh, well, man. We've been, you and I have been there before, though. No, I had never been. You and your mom took us there back in 89. We, she took us in there. When I went in there, with, the only time I went there with her was into like the gift shop to visit one of her friends. But I've never gone through the museum. That's the only reason I remember is because when I came out what? here with you back in 89, or it might have been 90. Was it such a traumatic event that I, I amnesia'd it? I you know what? It's, it's something to see. It's something to see because it's not going to be there forever. No, in fact, it's closed as October 16th for good. Then I really? should go see it too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I probably That's the main reason I went. Exit yeah. is to go see it. So if you want to see the Liberace Museum in Las Vegas, you, your, your, your time's coming up. So it's about two they're more really weeks. They're really going to close it permanently. Yeah. Permanently, they're going to uh, put some stuff in storage and take some of the other stuff and do a uh, roving... Oh, a traveling... Yeah, traveling exhibit. exhibit. Oh, and all the so, good museums closed. Star Trek museums closed. But thank God the Pinball Museum yes, is still around. Yes, Pinball Hall of Fame uh, Museum. Best yeah. museum ever. That's true. It's it hard to beat. Museum. Oh, yeah, and I bought a TV today. So that's another geek. Oh, that, that does help. I shopped for expensive electronics. And, and for, for as much as we've... Uh, poo-pooed uh, 3D, uh, it's 3D ready. Yeah. I, it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, just a little background here, folks. I was watching TV last night, and, you know, I, I, and apparently I'm the only one that does this, but I was watching Monday Night Football. Naked. As far as, no, as far as the ugly couch is concerned, I was watching football. Slather than olive oil. Well, maybe from the pizza, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I had Greek food, so yes, I did have olive oil. Yeah, um, Naked. So I'm sitting there watching TV, and this Naked. loud bang happens, <laughs> and the picture goes Uh-oh. on our, our five-year-old DLP TV. Well, what so happened was... He saw us all over his naked body. The bulb, <laughs> the bulb that, that is the heart of the projector in it our TV, Opa. instead of burning Opa. out, so it exploded. It saw his naked flesh and just... Erupted. <laughs> and, you know, I heard this rattling in there, and I'm like, oh, great. The TV says, oh, what do you do? What do you do? Opa! Opa! Poof! I explode! <laughs> Anyhow. Opa! So there's, I, I can hear the glass rattling around in there, and I'm like, oh, boy. So. I think all TVs, when they die, should do that. <laughs> is that so much to ask for? It was. Uh, it, it, I wouldn't say it was scary, but it, it oh, was a little disconcerting <laughs> hearing the, the that pop and the, and hearing that rattling and uh, that smell. Kind of bad. Yeah, the faint smell of ozone. And I I pulled the. Who's gonna die? <laughs> I pulled the panel off per the the manual, and I pulled the bulb out, and sure enough, it was shattered into a million pieces, and there was. Little Opa. pieces of glass Opa. in there. We burned the whole house down. And uh, look, did some did some research. Found I could probably get a, a bulb for around a hundred dollars shipped, but it would take three to five days. I'm like, I don't want to wait. Yeah, I don't want to wait for five bulb. days. So found five days. TV. Fuck it, new TV. <laughs> found a few of them locally <laughs> for about two hundred. I'm like, well, it's twice the price of getting it online. It's so and thin. The thing's like an inch thick. It's it's thinner than that. Is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's ridiculous. Oh, go look. It's a it's a plasma. And Dude, it's, yeah, that's no more than an inch thick. That's ridiculous. At its thickest, too. Yeah. It, and it and it bevels. That's so. crazy. So, so yeah. Where's the TV? Long story short, <laughs> went to go look for a bulb. Ended up talking myself into buying a new TV. And I helped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I call him as a sounding board. I'm like, all right. So I'll help I just you watch to- it. I need to bounce this off of somebody else. I'm like, am I just talking myself into buy, giving myself an excuse to buy a new oh, TV? Oh, please. You owned that or TV I should... as soon as you walked into the store. <laughs> you owned it as soon as you walked in. Because I kept saying, okay, am I going to buy this bulb, get it home, no. and with my rotten luck, it's not going to work. Or there will be glass in there, How spinning the around, hit something, and shatter. How are you going to get that other TV out of this 
They live in the second story here. How the hell are they going to get it out of here? Dude, that's, it's it's light as hell. That, that, that's super light. Yeah. And uh, I think you should toss it off the I second I think the story. new TV is heavier than the older one, and there's, and there's more to the old TV. Anyway. As as but anyway, so yeah, we, got, we, we had a 61-inch, now we have a 63-inch TV. So you got a TV. And it's 3D ready. I played Civ. And, and they Todd, threw in the well, uh, they threw in the glasses. I, I wore so. I wore twenty pound sequin coats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good so. to know we're all on our game. And Paul's on a boat. <laughs> we have a three D Blu ray to try out later on, and, and it, the glasses. Paul's probably actually also wearing twenty pound sequin coats, which I wasn't that's going true, to buy. That's true. I wasn't going to buy the glasses, but they threw them in for free. Oh so. my god! Whatever. <laughs> when, when I can watch porn in three D, then I'll then I'll be happy. There's already that's already being worked on. We, we talked about Lucky. it on the show. When it's good porn, I'll be happy. Okay, well. All right, let's go into news you don't give a shit about. Yes. Please. News you don't give a shit about Jim Hesselden. Who? Uh, Hesselden, you know. Hesselden? Of, of the uh, New Jersey Hesseldens? No. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jim Hesselden, who... Well, there, there's my phone apparently going off. There we go. Oh, yeah. A boop. I, thought, I, I thought I put that on vibrate. My apologies. Jim Hesseldin, who bought it, bought the Segway scooter company from Dean Kamen in 2009, oh, yeah. was found dead yesterday morning in his British estate. Hesseldin <laughs> was at the bottom of a cliff with a Segway X2 scooter nearby. A police spokesman told the Telegraph that Hedelson had fallen from the cliffs above on a Segway. Define irony. <laughs> Yeah, and I, that foul I, play was I, not suspected. I, I read about that. It was something about, he, they, they don't know exactly. Well, at the time I read it, they they don't know exactly how it happened. But apparently, he just rolled right off the cliff Why? on his property. Why? Why? Well, it wasn't suicide, he, was well, it? Well, apparently, it's it's a ruggedized version of the Segway. Okay, kind of like an off-road off-road version. Segway. Segway. Yeah, basically. <laughs> And uh, maybe he just didn't judge it right and just uh, went off the road. That's and off that's the, the assumption. It's that he, you know, he mis uh, he misjudged the the ground as being um, more stable than it was, and he didn't see the. Cliff. They think the earth gave way a little <laughs> he bit. And he, he didn't see the cliff. He leaned forward when he should have leaned back. He shouldn't have been on a fucking Segway or on a cliff. I think there might have been maybe loose that. earth or rocks, and he just slid right off and done. News you don't give a shit about. And this, this, this was, it, okay. This was too amusing not to include, all right? All okay. Right. Hit me. Uh, it, it, get through this first sentence with me. Australia's next top model, what? Cycle 6, held a live finale Tuesday night. Okay. Where host Sarah Murdoch unveiled the winner to both the audience and the show's viewers on live television. Unfortunately for the winner, the loser, and Murdoch, she accidentally announced the wrong one. What? And took a few minutes to realize it. Against the backdrop of a giant cover of Australian Bazaar, Murdoch announced Kelsey as the winner. Kelsey had just enough time to run through her thank yous before Murdoch gave her, her earpiece a listen and realized she'd announced the wrong winner. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I wonder no. what that was all about. I, I was on my laptop. What, what happened? And MSN popped up, and I said, and it said something about top model controversy, and I'm like, I have no interest in this yeah. story. Next, Amanda, the actual winner, was appropriately humble about it, and Murdoch seemed genuinely apologetic and totally mortified. I, I did watch the clip, and it's pretty funny to watch. Someone's fired. Oh wow, yeah, wow, because it, it was all just flowers and hugs for the one person who then just said, "Oh no, it's it's not you. It's it's you, the other one." Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. That's uh, oh, I'm oh kind of sorry. Of That's what you get with live television. Oh, oh no. Sorry. Oh, Hello. No. <laughs> sorry. Oh my god. News you don't give a shit about. Yes. Sea Worlds, the company. Okay. C E E Worlds. Okay. Announced a new massively multiplayer online in collaboration with the Michael Jackson estate. Oh no, I don't like where this is going. Walker, the Planet Michael is set to release in 2011. Yes! The contents of the world and its gameplay will be tailored to the life and music of the self-described king of pop. <laughs> A free-to-play MMO with Michael uh, with a micro Michael transaction economy. Quote. When we first approached the estate and talked about creating Planet Michael, 
One of our primary goals was to build an interactive environment where fans from all over the world come together to affirm Michael's lifelong dedication to fostering global friendships, said Martin Belias, CEO of C Virtual Worlds. In building a space worthy of these global connections, we envisioned a magical, enjoyable place that will capture the zest for fun and life that was Michael's very core. Throughout his extensive career, the King of Pop was well known for his visionary contributions to music, dance, fashion, entertainment, and philanthropy. And it was critical that we somehow incorporate all these elements into the game. No artist unified the world like Michael Jackson, so it is fitting that in Planet Michael, his fans will be able to join together in such a unique way online to celebrate his music, his artistry, and his devotion to the developing, to helping those in need. Oh my god. The game. So, what do you do? So, can I be like a, a magical wizard and ride a unicorn and. No, Pick no, you can, o- you can only be joyful in hope in celebration of Michael's music. That's apparently how the game is played. How do you win? How do you... You win by celebrating Michael's music with other people who celebrate Michael's music, enjoy in philanthropy and world friendship. Yeah, how do you frag people? You, you frag people with hugs. How, how do you with, get achievements? With, with hand-in-hand enjoyment of the other person's company in Michael Jackson's planet you world. You get an achievement for getting off the property without being molested. And you always <laughs> have to watch out for the smooth criminal. Hee-hee! <laughs> 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 yeah, he- this game sucks! <laughs> this is going to suck royally. That game is going to suck <laughs> in a legendary way. Oh, boy. Yeah. You know, I figure if a game is going to suck... Suck big time. Yeah. Go big or go home. Well, it's going big. It's please, going king of pop big. Please be legendary suck. Oh, oh, please. Wow. <laughs> I don't be think he has a choice. Rainbows and chocolate bars There is, There is not stars. A, a single mention of gameplay in this huge quote at all. <laughs> it, nothing. There's, at, at least the Moonwalker video game was playable. Yeah, it was. That was a fine game. That was a fun game. I like that game. It's not really a game. It's a social interactive... It says game right here. I know it says game, but from the description, it sounds like one of those those avatars. It's like Sony at home. You take your avatar. Yes, thank you. It's Second Life. You just go, hey, look at me. I like Michael Jackson music and his music videos. Oh, I do too. Hey, let's talk about those. So it's an extended chat channel, the game. Yeah. So every time you mention Michael Jackson, you get a point. Okay. Every time yeah, there's you a score, don't mention a uh, Tito or Jermaine, you get a point. Okay. Every time you uh, touch yourself, you get a point. How about when you buy a monkey? Two points. Alright, see? There. So mention Elizabeth and Taylor. you buy you the giraffe, point. you get ten. Buy the elephant man's bones, you get twelve. <laughs> nice. Sleep in a hyperbaric oxygen. That's not true. He just took a picture of that. I was just exploiting that for my own humor. And, <laughs> and I laughed, so it was funny. Moving on. And that's all the shit news there is, really, when it comes down to it. All right. So not a whole lot. Now, this, this, so let's go on a Week in Geek. Here we go. Real real news in the uh, geek land. Real news I actually for real people. had this written to bring it up last week. Okay. So I carried it over this week. I somehow missed it on the page, skipped ahead, but it, it bears saying and... Many of you probably already know this, but i got to say it because it's so awesome. Stephen Colbert and Jon Stewart will be holding competing rallies in Washington, D.C. on October 30th. Oh, yeah. Quote, <laughs> for the 70 to 80% of you out there who care about the issues who also have shit to do. Uh, John Stewart announced his own rally to restore sanity on The Daily Show uh, when he was challenged by one surprise guest, Stephen Colbert, who then apparently sprinted to the Colbert Report studios to announce his own march to keep fear alive. I know, I love that Which one. just so happens to fall on the same date. According to Stewart, we are looking for the people who think shouting is annoying, counterproductive, and terrible for your throat, who feel the loudest voices shouldn't be the only ones who get heard, and who believe that the only time it's appropriate to draw a Hitler mustache on someone is when that person is actually Hitler, or Charlie Chaplin in certain roles. Are you one of those people? Excellent. Then we'd like you to join us, Washington, D.C., on October 30th, a date of no significance whatsoever, at The Daily Show's Rally to Restore Sanity. Ours is a rally for the people who've been too busy to go to rallies who actually have lives and families and jobs or are looking for jobs. Not so much the silent majority as the busy majority. (laughs) 
if we had to sum up the political view of our participants in a single sentence, we couldn't. That's sort of the point. And Colbert's riposte, America, the greatest country God ever gave man, was built on three bedrock principles, freedom, liberty, and fear, that someone might take our freedom and liberty. But now there are dark, optimistic forces trying to take away our fear, forces with salt and pepper hair the way, and way more Emmys than they need. They want to replace our fear with reason, but never forget... Reason is just one letter away from treason. Coincidence? (laughs) Reasonable people would say it is, but America can't afford to take that chance. So join the Reverend Sir Dr. Stephen T. Colbert, DFA, on October 30th for the March to Keep Fear Alive trademark in Washington, D.C. Pack an overnight bag with five extra sets of underwear. You're going to need them. Because to restore truthiness, we must always... What's that sound? I think there's someone behind you. Run! That's his actual statement. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. And I, <laughs> if I were in D.C. or in the D.C. area, I would totally go, but I'm just too busy. Yeah. Yeah, that's So that, that, that's really kind of what hurts this rally is that the people that really need to attend really can't because we do have lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kills me is the thing with him in Congress. Do you oh, have that, that was something there? else. I didn't have it in here because oh, it's being yeah, covered testifi- ad infinitum everywhere. I know. He tes- for people who aren't aware, he testified uh, for a congressional committee uh, about um, immigration reform. Yes. Uh, I guess someone invited mm-hmm. him to testify before the, an immigration committee, and uh, some people said, oh, no, he should leave, but then others invited him to stay. Yes. Uh, of course, Fox News had a field day with this. Yeah, and I, and I was Fox News is full of fascists and assholes, yeah, yeah. and anyone that watches them are... <laughs> fascist and asshole. Was it Colbert or was it Stewart they invited? It was Colbert. Colbert. Oh, oh, Colbert. Okay. And and, and I will say that I didn't think that his prepared statements were all that funny, but some of the stuff he had to say was very poignant. And the fact that that was lost on a lot of those people is not surprising at, at all. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of the stuff he had to say was very kind of, was a little moderate, which was good. Yeah. You know? So bringing a little moderation to the... Anyway, I'm not going to get political. Yeah. So uh, this next piece, I'm going to get political. Okay. A bill that the Obama administration plans to submit sometime in, the next, sometime in the next year would require all communication services, even smartphones, Facebook, and Skype, to be technically capable of complying if served with a wiretap order. Fuck them! Including, quote, being able to intercept and unscramble encrypted messages. The reasoning behind the proposed bill, federal officials claim, is that as society uses modern communication technology more frequently and departs from relying on telephones for their communicative needs, this leads to a, quote, erosion of their investigative powers. The Federal Bureau of Investigation doesn't view the proposed bill as an expansion of authority, but more as keeping up with the expanding technology and avenues of communication. Though the FBI, through the FBI, the Justice Department, the National Security Agency, and the White House have all met to discuss and develop a solution to the problem of, quote, dwindling surveillance. Certain important facets of the proposed plan are lacking details, such as what exactly classifies a company as a provider of communication. Some of the proposal's likely requirements include communication services that encrypt messages must have a way to unscramble them. Foreign-based providers that do business inside the United States must install a domestic office capable of performing intercepts, and developers of software that enables peer-to-peer communication must redesign their service to allow interception. People are finding other issues with Internet wiretaps that aren't even related to privacy, such as Columbia University computer science professor Stephen M. Belovin, who suggests that if communications technology is legally required to contain backdoors for government surveillance... Hackers would have no problem finding and exploiting said backdoors. Yeah, not to mention, you know, foreign powers. People, <laughs> if, if, you're, if you work on a computer, if you use a computer for email, if you have a phone, if you have a credit card, for Christ's sake, go back and listen to this, that, and that, that news announcement again. Yeah. And then listen to it again. <laughs> it affects you. If this bill gets in, screw if it gets passed. If it gets introduced, mm-hmm. I don't care what administration introduces this, because this is the guy that voted for Obama telling you this. Right. I, I don't care who introduces this. If it gets it's introduced, fuck them in the mouth and ass for introducing that. <laughs> yeah. And I never get political, but this is my hot button. Yeah. This and aliens. Well, yeah, that, that, that's coming up later. 
Oh boy! Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh yeah. God! Oh yeah! Oh, a political day for me. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh! Anger. <laughs> Calm down. Have a date. Speaking of dates, bad dates. If you're in the middle of a really terrible date, but don't have the heart or cojones to employ truth and would rather be a little devious in order to escape the situation, rescue dot rescue dot me will call or text your phone to help you pretend that there's an emergency unfolding to which you must attend. The free service, free, requires you to send a text to the provided number of 206-866-5924 using the command structure of whether you want a text message or call, the time delay, and the message you want sent. So... And then the uh, then the option the message is optional, so you'll uh, get that phone call or text message, and you can escape whatever you're in. Saying, "Oh look, emergency! Uncle Fred died." <laughs> free service. Why? Why would they set this up as a free service? I don't know. Because I, 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 that blew my mind too. It seems like I something it out. you I could charge. It yeah, it, it definitely seems like something you would charge. For. No, I just figured it out. What's that? Um, so you get this free service, and they and they call you. Oh my God, Uncle Fred, that I gotta go. But you know, you know what's going on on the other end of the Signs line. You up for an a, ad? An ad? Ah, <laughs> and that's worth it. I'll listen to an ad if I can get out of a that's date. That's true. A bad date. <laughs> but what about the text they send you? Because you show that text is like, oh no, this is from Aunt Aunt Frida, and Frida says, uh, signs you up for an says, ad oh oh no, my hemorrhoids are acting up again. I need <laughs> I need cream now. What's that number again? Because I've had a lot of bad <laughs> you know, dates. You know, over it, the years. we're not really doing an advertisement for them, but I'll give it to it. Two oh six. Eight six six five nine two four. Because I can count on one hand the number of good dates I've had over the years. Two oh six. Seriously, is it? What is that? I don't know. Two oh six. It's not an eight hundred number, is it? I'll check it out as soon as I dial it. My phone will tell me. All right, he's gonna he's gonna dial. Well, that's going on. Uh, CCP Games, the makers Washington. of Washington, Washington, Washington State. Okay, there it is, out of Washington. There you go. These are the makers of Eve Online. They've announced their next MMO project. World of Darkness is going to be set in the universe of White Wolf's, White Wolf's tabletop and live-action role-playing game sensation Vampire the Masquerade, mm. and it's going to focus on player politics and social interaction. Uh, Darkness was announced this weekend at the Grand Masquerade, the Vampire Con in New Orleans. The game is slated for 2012. I'm very excited about this game, and I'll tell you why. You don't get excited about MMOs anymore. Because no. when you learn the price they've paid, you'll want to come and join the Masquerade? And... Uh, I'm stunned. I'm stunned by your idiocy, sir. I have nothing to say to you. Ever. No. Is it because you Usually spent so many go, hours LARPing in I that spe- world? Yes, I did. I spent Usually a lot of hours LARPing. at least a die No, you, a get, you, point. you get nothing. You, you get, get nothing? this finger. You get that finger? That okay. one. That was a little the finger. The one next to the index one. Um, I spent a lot, of hours, a lot of hours LARPing. I spent a lot of hours playing MMOs. I spent a lot of hours in Star Wars Galaxies. Um... <laughs> But I spent a lot of hours in Galaxies doing the political thing, uh, okay. role-playing stuff out, and I think that could have been something that would have worked well if they had systems for that sort of thing and a political structure. Okay. Um, White Wolf, the White Wolf game, is all about the political structure, and there are systems and all kind of shit for it. An MMO based around that... The White Wolf is awesome. And I think that as a role-playing game, as a tabletop role-playing game, or as a LARP, as an MMO, would have been great. Um, I, I always wanted to see it as an MMO. Uh, the LARP system, it's like... If it Paper, rock, scissors, yo. Shut up. <laughs> if it could have been an MMO, it would have been an MMO. That's what those people are doing when they're LARP. LARPing. Paper, scissors, lizards, rock. Well, I mean, there's more to it than that. But if they could be if they could be playing White Wolf the MMO, they would be playing White Wolf the MMO, and and they will. I think they've got a fine. And it's, again, it's made by the same people that did Eve Online, and these are no strangers to no. factioned up playing. Eve Online, those people, they're they're, they're no goddamn joke. Um, but there's some inherent issues here. Okay. One, every MMO. Uh, for some reason, they always seem to think, oh, every player can achieve all the levels of greatness. Uh, case in point, Star Wars, uh, sorry, Star Trek. 
um, everyone end up being a captain or an admiral, rather, you know, and, okay. and or like Warcraft, everyone ends up being level seventy or level eighty now, you know. Um, everyone gets the chance to be the big badass. That's not so in the White Wolf world. Yeah, you have to have vassals and people you, you to, control and send in out every ship. city. There is one prince. In every city, there is one seneschal. The, the prince is second hand. Uh, in every, and they say there's like at least how I used to play. There was like six. There was like six or seven clans or so. Now it's something different. Um, and there's there's a set of like uh, a council. They were called the primogen or whatever. I don't know how it works in the new system. Well, it, with Eve Online, they have corporations with uh, heads of corporations and uh, uh, board of directors and so on. So. This seems like something they have some experience with. Well, they could have guilds and coiteries, but how many goddamn vampires can there be in a city? There's a limit, man. There's a limit to the number of vampires that there can be in a city before the city runs dry of blood. So they're going to have to spread these vampires out. Gonna have to happen. So what you're well, saying is there can be only one. I hate you. <laughs> well, also keep in mind this is also called World of Worlds of Darkness, so it it also will encompass, I assume, vampire, mage, werewolf, mage, whatever the other products are. Now, given my knowledge, of this is a little shaky because I haven't kept up on my my White Wolf knowledge since they reset the entire world. Yeah, same here. Which has been year for years. I'm sure it was, whoever's listening. If you're into the White Wolf stuff, you'll you'll educate me proper. But it can't be that much different. I imagine not. No. Well, both Keanu Reeves and Alex Winters have confirmed in vague but still promising terms that they are working toward making a second sequel to the Bill and Ted movie franchise. Never going to happen. I thought they were rebooting that. Never going to happen. With new actors. If you're unfamiliar with Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the news probably doesn't mean that much to you anyway. But basically, following two bumbling, not particularly intelligent characters, Bill, Alex Winters, and Ted, Keanu Reeves, the first two movies in the franchise had the duo traveling through time in order to better complete a history report for school and battling death in order to return to the world of the living and created something of a cult following. Now, 19 years after the second film's release, both Keanu Reeves and Alex Winters have confirmed they are trying to get a Bill and Ted 3 off the ground. What was stage? Everything in the preliminary stages so far sees no distinct time frame has been set, but as Winters said, we would love to not be doing this when we're 60. And it's a question of when the script is done, when Reeves is free, and when I'm free and getting the whole damn thing up and running. But uh, since uh, I got this down on paper, Winter's come out and said there is a script that he likes. Um, when Winter's free? Winter's been free for a while. Alex Winter's I actually... I thought he said when, when Reeves was free. He's when both of their schedules are free. And Alex Winter's has gone on to directing. Yeah. What's he like, been doing? He does directing and producing now, as I yeah. recall. What's so, he been doing? Well, he just... He, just, he kind of... Well, Thank from, you. from what I remember, that's a great story. <laughs> from what I remember with him, like after he did that MTV show, that really huh? weird. He did this really weird comedy show on MTV. Okay, not familiar with it. No. Anyway, uh, Alex. After that, Alex Winter said he got fed up with the whole acting thing and decided he would rather be on the other side of the camera. And he started doing directing and some producing okay, so and so forth. So. Anything we would know. <clears throat> Uh, off the top of my head, no, but I'd have to IMDb it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and he's and doing Keanu t- Reeves and characters. And he's doing, and if chances are, he's probably doing TV stuff. And let's, let's face a lot of people who have gone behind the camera that go TV stuff, you're not too familiar with it. For yeah. example, Fred Savage does uh, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. No, I know, I know yeah. Fred Savage has done a bunch of stuff. So, but, yeah. so they, they hide in there. Dom DeLuise's son does Atlantis. Yeah, I know so, he's done that. I mean, hell, I mean, Jonathan Frakes has directed a bunch of episodes of Leverage and a few other things that I didn't know until I saw him at the convention. And he said, I was like, oh, I didn't realize he had directed that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, these, these people, you know, they got to make a living somehow. And sometimes they find their niche and they, they're happy with it and they just keep doing it. Yeah, but Bill and Ted, seriously... And the White Shadow himself, Timothy Van Patten, directed right. some Sopranos. Ha <laughs> ha, yeah. Yep. Master Ninja on your ass. Whatever. And what the hell was Station? Station? It was a Station. giant alien with a bodacious behind, as, as they said. That's weird. Well, speaking of aliens with bodacious behinds, oh, wait, this has nothing to do with that. The Nine Inch Nails frontman, Trent Reznor, is bringing his apocalyptic 2007 sci-fi concept album to the small screen 
as an HBO miniseries. Aww. Now, more than two years ago, Trent Reznor dropped the news that he was in early talks with HBO to adapt Year Zero, and now it seems like things are moving along at a pretty decent pace. BBC Worldwide Productions have come aboard as the studio. Carnival's nice. Daniel Knopf is writing the pilot. As for what Year Zero is about, it was born out of Reznor's frustration with what America, and by extension, the world, became during the Bush years. And rather than write a traditional protest record, he decided to spin the story forward. Quote, I started by writing a kind of a world Bible about what life would be like around 15 or 20 years from now if things continue on the same path. I spent a few weeks filling it in with the events that could lead to this kind of time and place. Then as an experiment, I started writing songs about people in this place and from different points of view. As Reznor freely admits, I've learned that television development moves at a glacial pace, but be, be prepared for a downer of monumental proportions whenever it arrives. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> you know Paul's creaming himself Oh, right yeah. Now. I, I kind of wish Paul were here to witness this news. One of the first things I ever knew about the famous Paul uh-huh. was that he absolutely loved Trent Reznor and if Paul had a vagina he would allow Trent Reznor to make himself <clears throat> comfortable in it you're right he, he might allow that anyway yeah yeah he would put a vagina in himself uh, he, he doesn't take crit- that he me. doesn't take criticism of uh, of Mr. Reznor well no, no 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 that's no. Uh, that's uh, sacred cow Trent Reznor yeah. can do no wrong no wrong in Paul's eyes, it's like he he could he could polish a turd and and present it as his greatest work of art, and Paul would go, that's "Oh my fi- God, that that's, is that's a fine turd. That is that is the most amazing piece of art I've ever heard in my life." I mean, there are turds in this world, but that that is that is the king turd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd put it in uh, plastic and put it on his mantle. Yep. He, what he am might I not saying? he might not even put it in he, plastic. Yeah, he'd just wear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to the aliens thing, as I promised, the oh. United Nations will be appointing early next week Earth's official first contact, i.e., an ambassador about for aliens from outer space. Was it just in case? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just a, it's just a just in case kind of thing. The UN has chosen a Malaysian astrophysicist by the name of Doctor Maison Othman, who happens to be the head of its Office for Outer Space Affairs in Vienna. Quote, to act as Earth's first contact for any aliens that may be visiting. Why not me? Uh, well, you should have put your name in the friggin' hat. Did, I did. I said. I said. I have dibs. Well, apparently, Dr. Othman is scheduled next week to tell delegates at a scientific conference at the Royal Society's Cavalli Conference Center in Buckinghamshire that the recent discovery of hundreds of planets around other stars have made the detection of extraterrestrial life more likely than ever before, and that means the U.N. must be ready to coordinate humanity's response to any first contact. Richard Crowther, who is an expert in space law and governance at the U.K. Space Agency, this is starting to read real weird, who leads British delegates to the U.N. on such matters, said, Othman is absolutely the nearest thing we have to a take-me-to-your-leader person. No, no, no. You don't put a scientist up front. You certainly don't put a fucking lawyer up front. You put a PR guy up front. You put someone in a broker in their hair and a nice big bright white... No, you fuck... You put a model up front. <laughs> Here, I'm looking at a magazine right now, and let me see, Sofia Vergara. Let's put her up front. But for, That's our ambassador. For the Iraqs and such? <laughs> what? You know, that's uh, Miss Teen USA with her uh, why we, why maps and Iraqs and, and, and such. For the the Iraq. The Iraq, thank you. And, I, I and, don't want to misquote. Okay, you can find one with a brain. <laughs> we can find a smart one. Maybe. If you're lucky. Dude, if if, if we're going to communicate, we just need to get a keyboard together and get that light connected in. Yes. You see, music well, is the well, ultimate well, language. Well, well. Music uh, is the language of math. Or, or we could get really, really lucky and those aliens could be horny. It's a long ride from art from their planet to ours. I'm uh, telling you. Unless so what, that, you're saying you're going to take this, them to Peru? If Sofia Vergara is the first thing they see, they're going to be, "Hey guys, this planet's all right." Unless Cruise. they look like hagfish. You're going to take them to Pahrump or to Reno to the world famous uh, Bunny I, Ranch I, I or something? What the fuck are you saying? The fucking Bunny Ranch. The last thing they need to see is Dennis Hoff <laughs> and his gaggle of weirdos. Um, <laughs> no, but if they saw that, all right, fine. 
right there. Right there. <laughs> yeah, I see that that model picture. In fact, there. you know what? We need to find a choice couple of people. We need to find a man and a woman and have them both be ambassadors, just in case. Our very own Adam, Adam and Eve, Eve 2.0. Representing wow. both sides. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. The choice specimens of the race. And I think, okay, what, if, what if we find like a an astrophysicist that just happens to be hot? That's that's like, rare. But put, oh, I know it's rare. It's 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 like the frickin' the Ark of the Covenant. You're no. not really gonna find it. <laughs> no, you need a diplomat. You need someone with some PR. Was Jean Luc Picard? Was he a scientist or was he a diplomat? He was a he diplomat. Was a diplomat. Yeah. That's right. Was was. Kirk a, 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 a diplomat? Well, are, are you talking season no. one or season three? Because season one, he's just a grumpy old man. Right, I hate everyone and everything. Well, I don't want to be in charge of this ship. But he was a diplomat. He didn't. The, the diplomat part of him didn't really start showing up he until wasn't a good one, but season he was a two, diplomat. season three. It's like season three hit, and all of a sudden, wow, Picard is educated now. He reads Shakespeare. He was never a lawyer, and he certainly was never a scientist. No, no he was a military man. And he hates children. He did not like children. So you get so that's what we need. We what need the hell, <laughs> Patrick Stewart and Sofia Vergara? There you go. <laughs> Those are our ambassadors, dude. And it's just our first Stu- contact. No, 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 Second no. Contact. We get the scientists. Set aside all the Star Trek. Patrick Stewart would be an awesome first contact guy, just because of who he is, because of his decades of acting experience and, and his they've education. And they seen him on TV. We've been beaming that shit into space for years. Why don't you sit down? It'd be like sit, sit down. I was like. <laughs> Greetings, I am Patrick Stewart. You may know me from your space. <laughs> you may know me from my card. my turn in Shakespeare Company and my upcoming and Sinbad movie. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like Sean Connery. It did, and it was yeah, a little bit. <laughs> or, or from my my stints on Family Guy and American Dad. Maybe Patrick Stewart should be the next James Bond. <laughs> He's, He's a little, little old, old for, that. for the job. That man. never stopped. Connery in the first place. You ever see Never Say Never Again? Yeah, it's true. But he's a little I try to forget job. that one. <laughs> no, seriously, you, you don't put a scientist up front. You put PR people. That makes sense. Uh, all right, we'll see. Well, screenwriter Greg Berlanti gave an update about the in-development Flash film, as in DC's Flash, that, uh, depending on your taste, is either terrific or terrifying news. It already came out. You missed it. According to Berlanti who's been working with Michael Green and Mark Guggenheim, both Green Lantern and The Flash, using films like David Fincher's Seven and Jonathan Demme's Silence of the Lambs as inspiration for Warner's take on the Crimson Speedster isn't really far off base. Huh? Said Berlanti, I think because of the nature that Barry Allen was a CSI and moved in this world of crime before this stuff happened, it's actually a little bit darker than we were working on Green Lantern because you're dealing with somebody who's already a crime fighter in a world of those kinds of criminals and the kind of murder and homicide. I find you talk a lot about different films when you're working on a film. We spend a lot more time talking about Seven or Signs of the Lambs as we construct that part of Barry's world than I thought when we get into it. It helps balance a guy in a red suit who runs really fast. There's a sci-fi component, and there's a crime component, and it's fitting those two things together. And the sci-fi thing, we obviously want to nail that and honor that and do it in a way that feels visceral and real and cool and probably more to the tone of the Matrix film. So it's thrown on all over the place. Jeez. They've always had a problem nailing down the Flash. I used to read the Flash. I know, it's so quick. Shut up. I used to nail, I used to read, (laughs) I I hate you, threw me off. What's the name of the city he's in? Star City? Um, um, no, I don't know. Uh, oh, not God, Keystone uh, City. Flashstone no, uh, City. Flash City. Keystone City, right? Sin City. Keystone, is it? No, I don't think it's, it's Keystone. Keystone City. Uh, Spin City. It's Keystone City. He's in Spin City. He's in you're gonna make. You're gonna make me look it up. City. All right. Well, He's anyway, in the city continue of with children. your thought there, Barry. The, okay, I used to read the Flash comics a little bit, and the thing that always weirded me out is they never really nailed down exactly how fast the Flash is, because the speed at which he can go from place to place totally changes the dynamic of the comic. It totally changes his power level, because if he goes faster than, I don't know, faster than a bullet. Wow, as way, fast way to stretch. As, as fast as a bullet. You're thinking about Superman. You read a lot of Superman comics. I'm just saying, as fast as oh, a okay. bullet. Now, what, now, you mean like, like, a, like a 22? 
or like say a AK-47. A fucking bullet. Deal with me here. As fast as a bullet, then he can stop a lot of regular run-of-the-mill bad guys. Okay. But then if he can go fast as like what's what's a laser? Like a, like a, as fast as the speed of light. Then he's on a whole other level. Then he's on like Superman level crazy well, he's, shit. He's he's literally vibrated his molecules so fast to the point that he can pass through solid matter. And then before. we're talking about the Flash that you see in the Frank Miller comics, Dark Knight, where it's like, hey, I'm going to Rio de Janeiro. Okay, hey, I'm back. I went to Rio de Janeiro. It's like, fuck, what? You know, that's crazy speed. That's insane. That's hi. I can do anything. Hmm. Yeah. That that's the flash that that that's movie breaking. That's true, because you can't have that. In a movie. You got to have limits. You got to have rules. Yeah, Central City. Central City. I there you go. Central City. Well, who the hell is in Keystone City? I don't. Know. I think those you cops. Those Keystone cops City? live there. So so basically, we're gonna get CSI Central City in 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 the the movie but, version, but really fast. Really really fast. We just gotta figure out which which uh, who song they're gonna have for the theme. Don't even. I don't know. I already went there. I don't know about the Flash movie. Late. I'm not really interested in CSI the movie, <laughs> and I wouldn't care if <laughs> William Peterson could go really really fast. It wouldn't 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 appeal to me. I still want to see it. Yeah, it's fun. Marvel Studios, Studios Ken Feige has confirmed they're in discussions to have Scarlett Johansson reprise her role as Natasha Romanoff for a standalone movie. We've already started discussions with Scarlett about the idea of, of a solo movie and have begun putting together concepts, said Feige, but the Avengers comes first. Is she naked? So I don't know, but she will be fine in whatever She's movie she is. So yeah, that. Was she yeah, naked? I, I applaud. I, I doubt it. Don't care. She doesn't have enough... Black Widow is not interesting enough to stand on her own. I don't know. It could happen as long as they didn't go the, say, Ian Flux route. Yeah. No, honestly, these these third-string characters, some of them are simply not interesting enough to stand on their own. Does Black Widow have her own comic book? Listen, they, yeah, actually she did. But, she did, uh, yeah. The, she uh, did. The thing with that is, though, it they think that Scarlett Johansson in that outfit will bring... C- Butts in the seats, and the answer is yes. American people, why? Seriously, yeah. seriously, hold out, hold out for the real people. <laughs> hold out for Iron Man. I don't want to see. I don't want to see Black Widow. You know. Well, Barry? again, that's not a priority thing. This this is one of the. Remember, we talked a while back about how Marvel's going to be doing these all these third stringer movies, whether it's going to be like Iron Fist or. You know, it's that kind of thing. Remember we talked about that? Why don't they take Doctor all Strange. these third stri- Doctor Strange is not a third stringer. No, he actually kind of is now. Are you kidding he, there's, me? There's a, I mean, He's sure, one of the Illuminati. He is one of the Illuminati, but that's about all they use him for anymore. Guess what, Barry? He's like superpowered. What? Uh, I, I looked up Keystone City for you. And Keystone City is the fictional city of the first Flash. Thank Jay, you, Jay winner. And the third Flash, Wally West. Winner, winner, winner. Rest have been in Central City. I, I was hoping you'd go 90210 and just lie to him, but that's all right. I just uh, don't lie Old school, a, thank as you. As a rule. Yeah, I know. Damn it. All old right. Old school. Because I know I'm not a damn actor like you fools. <laughs> and on a sad note, LA Times reports that uh, Sally Menke, the editor who cut all of Quentin Tarantino's films, was found dead this morning. Oh. Mm-hmm. She had disappeared while uh, hiking yesterday, and an extensive search of Griffith Park was undertaken by the police after friends reported her missing. Her body was found at the bottom of a ravine in Beechwood Canyon. Oh, while no. the exact circumstances of her death have yet to be revealed, there is the supposition that the extreme record-setting heat yesterday in Los Angeles played a part in her fate. Oh. Uh, Sally Menke was uh, Quentin Tarantino's closest and mo- most consistent collaborator having worked on every one of his films from Reservoir Dogs through Inglorious Bastards. Wow. She was nominated for Oscars for her work in the, on The Ladder and on P- Pulp Fiction. There's likely no way to overstate the impact Menke's work had on what we know as Quentin Tarantino's style. Oh, Editors no. are all unheralded authors of every film, and in the case of a filmmaker who tells stories in nonlinear, unconventional fashion, the editor's contribution is even more important. Any discussion of the technical craft, the narrative risk-taking on Tarantino's films necessarily involved Menke's name. Her skills and presence will be greatly missed. Yeah, definitely. Stay out of the heat, people. Yeah, that that heat don't fuck around. Yeah, people don't know how much goes into editing. Yeah, 
editing it says right there right there that is part of the authorship of film yeah i mean you know barry and i can attest to this it's it's an ordeal i mean it's a good i mean it, and that's we, for our 25 yeah, minute janky show yeah our our 20 our 25 to 30 minute show you know i i can easily put a good couple of hours just doing the editing couple yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm I'm a little more experienced. I've done it a lot longer. It's not to say that you don't do a fine job, Barry. <laughs> I'm not knocking you. I'm just saying that yeah, Whatever. you easily put a couple hours into it, and that's not even including folks hunting down, you know, from our contacts, you know, approved clips or getting the right uh, pictures to go with the things that we review. So I mean, it's. You know, and, and we do a, a review show. You've got to figure about, on films in general, yeah. for every finished minute of film, there's about an hour's worth of editing in it. Minimum. Yeah. And that's, that's assuming you don't have a director that watches it and goes, you know what, I don't like the way things are flowing. Let's take a couple of scenes out and see where that goes. And then you have it in a completely different film again. It, from from what you started with, and then maybe they go, well, no, let's go back to the the other way. So I mean, yeah, it's you know, I, it's definitely going to affect future Tarantino films because a director editor collaboration, if you can find that right person to partner up with, that's that's a lifetime cooperative effort. I mean, you're you're going to end up working together. On multiple films, and, and obviously as, with as, she yeah, was. in in her, in her in his case, he he found someone that he completely trusted because you do, you have to completely trust him because you're taking your your idea, you, the stuff that you've worked on, slaved over, and saying, "All right, make me look good." Yeah, and a lot of directors do sit in the editing bay and and help with, but. You know, there's that, you know, you, you get down, you feel that natural pace, and you sit down and say, okay, you know, this seems right, this seems a little long, and a great editor will have that pace down before the edit, the director even sees it and goes, oh, wow, look at this, this yeah. is, uh, this is perfect, doesn't even need to be touched up. So, so the anyway. world of Tarantino's film is going to be a different one. Yeah, it's, I mean... It'll still probably have his style to it, but I, it's it's going to look and feel a little bit different. I can yeah. almost guarantee it. But we'll we'll bring it up to a happy level now. We we went sad for a few. The AMC theater chain, yes, will, will be showing a digitally remastered presentation of Back to the Future in late October to celebrate the film's 25th anniversary. Except we don't have AMC theaters out here. We have an AMC. It's Where? a shitty one. AMC is going to be holding two special screenings of the digitally remastered Back to the Future on 158 screens across 40 cities. The screenings will take place Saturday, October 23rd at 12.30 p.m. and Monday, October 25th at 7 p.m., the latter AMC notes being the night Marty went back in time. (laughs) A press release announced that all guests will receive a full-size poster commemorating the 25th anniversary limited release of the movie with their ticket purchase while supplies last. Will it be showing any special stuff as well? Uh, doesn't say that. Uh, but uh, on a similar note, uh, as we mentioned on the show before, Telltale Games is developing a new series of new episodic video games based off of the Back to the Future franchise. Right. Christopher Lloyd has reprised his role as Doc Brown in the games. Yes. Providing his likeness and recording to a bunch of new dialogue. Yes. Well, that's very cool. That's very cool. You know, episodic video games, what do you mean by that? Uh, Telltale Games are the same people that did the Sam and Max games. Uh, so they I played them. Uh, the cl- point-and-click adventure games, much in the older style, brought to a uh, a modern audience. Very, very entertaining. Uh, they've also done a uh, Monkey Island one as well since then. Uh, they since have bought the Back to the Future and Jurassic Park licenses to do those as well. Are these like Xbox Live Arcade type of things? Uh, they have not released them. No, that's only been on PC. Yeah. And they are now on, I think, their fourth or fifth season of Sam and Max. So it's been very, very popular and successful. Wasn't and Sam apparently and Max funny on as the hell. PS3 too? What's that, sorry? Wasn't Sam and Max on the, P- on the PS3 at one point too? Not sure. Uh, 
the point and click thing can work with a uh, with a controller of that kind. Well, but sure, but uh, but definitely tailored it, to. It. I'd be interested yeah. in going to see these movies that they were going to show some kind of special features or something that was on like a something I've never seen before. But eh. but not everybody has seen it on the big screen. And I'll tell I'm, you right now, I'm when I got it. to see Friday the Thirteenth Part One on the big screen, finally, it was a treat. Super friggin' treat because you know, I was too young when that movie came out to go see it in the theater. To actually have sit in a movie theater to see how it's supposed to be seen is special. And so, for fans of this film or people who have not gotten to experience that, me, like I me. didn't, well, I saw it originally in the theater. It's back great in to have that ability. Maybe they ought to do like classic film night stuff, you know, where they show a classic film with the classic trailers. Some places do. They, we they started used to, have to do that the, for a while here at the. Ads. Um, that dollar theater that was on Pecos way back when I Welfare first theater. moved to Las yeah. Vegas. And then, um, uh, uh, is it Crown Cinemas? Oh, I'm um, not sure. They, did, they, they were doing some, because I saw Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Oh, that's right. As one of them, and they were doing, they did the original Superman. You just got to watch They were running they through, and, and they were reasonably priced um, movies, unfortunately. Did they show the classic ads? Did they show like, special features and stuff as well? Uh, I I, Not I, mine, I got didn't? there late on on two. I I literally got there as they were going through the the very beginning of the film. But uh, the downside is a lot of times you're looking at pretty old prints. Yes, true. And in That's in the fun. case of ours, uh, it, right after Spock went into the dilithium chamber, the film slipped off the track. I, I remember turning to to Jerry and Francine that were with me, and I going, well. At least it hasn't stopped, because if it stops, it's going to burn through it. I had not but just finished saying that sentence, and the film caught and burned through, and uh, oh. unfortunately, I don't know how the movie ends. <laughs> <laughs> there is that I question. haven't seen it a million times. But they used stopped. to throw a Halloween film festival at that movie theater on Pecos. Yeah. Where you use the dollar... Th- Dollar Cinema, you paid your dollar, and each night it was The Fly, or Friday the 13th, the or Halloween. The floor in that place is sticky. Well, back then it was even stickier. Uh, That's right. I didn't like going in there because there was a bunch of kids. Not on these nights there weren't. Oh, oh yeah. it was great. But that's all they have for uh, Nerd News this week. That's, uh, that's wow. it. Well, that's a shame. So, no, it isn't, because that brings us to the big list. Big list. Big list. The big list. A little list I came across for this one. Okay. 11 biggest complaints actors have had about their superhero costumes from Blaster.com. Interesting. This is interesting. So, uh, I am interested in So this we'll, we'll just start it right up. Ryan Reynolds on the Green Lantern costume. Okay. Quote, It's made of actual woven misery. Whatever material <laughs> they've used, they've managed to make it the most heat-conducting substance known to man. I literally begged them just to put me in a non-breathable rubber unitard. It was like shooting an entire movie inside of Alec Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I like Ryan Reynolds. If you think he's funny a funny guy. guy. He's a comedian, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca Romaine on the Mystique makeup from oh, X-Men. Oh, yeah. She's never stopped complaining about that one. I've been in denial about the nudity. No, no, I'm very ca- covered up. I kept checking with the rest of the cast. You guys, I'm totally covered up, right? And they tell me, no, Rebecca, you're naked. One time, director Brian Singer opened the tent where I literally bent over a chair getting my crack touched up, and I was like, don't come in here, Brian. You don't need to see this. Yeah. You can't man. complain about that. <laughs> she, no. she obviously she's, could. She's naked. <laughs> she knew it. Mickey Rourke on his whiplash costume from Iron Man 2. What was right. wrong with that costume? It was really brutal. My Iron Man suit weighed 23 pounds, and it was torture to wear. It was sort of a half suit with half my skin showing with lots of Russian tattoos. It was hard to get on, hard to wear, and an agony to take off. Oh, whoop-de-doo, 23 pounds. Cry me a fucking river, Mickey. <laughs> Didn't like the RoboCop outfit weigh something like 80 pounds? Yeah, that I know. Right. There are Disney characters out there weighing, yeah. wearing 50 pounds of shit. Fuck you, Mickey Rourke. Move on. <laughs> Where's Paul? Weiner. I remember Weiner. talking about the, all the weight of his uniform. Oh, I know. Talk to me about weighty uniforms. The Klingon <laughs> outfit alone. The Baldrick made of a, made of a fucking tire. Yeah. Get out of here. I remember that... Uh, that Vulcan outfit was just ridiculous to wear. It was so heavy. I want to be Spandex. the one that painted Rebecca Romaine. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> ben Affleck on the Daredevil costume. It was basically a red S&M outfit suitable only for comic book movies and dungeon-like sex clubs. <laughs> I've done one of those, and now I'm looking forward to doing the other. 
<laughs> Chris Hemsworth on his Thor costume. I put the thing on and said, it's not very comfortable, but it looks amazing, so it's all good. And then a couple of weeks in, I thought, it's getting more and more uncomfortable. And at the end of three or four months, it was a pretty difficult thing to wake up and put on every morning. Wow. Reiner, God, you're Thor. Deal. <laughs> Malin, uh, Malin Ackerman on her Silk Spectre costume oh, from right. Watchmen. I didn't really like that costume. You dread it more and more every day. The first day, it's exciting and it's fun, and by the end, you just want to burn the thing. Mine was made out of latex. It's always freezing, and they, they were always hot because they had the foam. I would, it, would be, it would have been difficult to go to the bathroom, but I figured out the si- slide-to-the-side technique because there is no other way. Sorry to get so graphic, but it's a graphic novel. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, latex, that's, that does got to suck. Michelle Pfeiffer on the Catwoman suit. Yeah, that was all latex, wasn't it? They get you in this contraption, and in order to go to the bathroom, you have to completely disrobe, and it takes an hour to get it back on. That's all she says. Oh. Yeah. Christian Bale on the Batman Begins bat suit. I frankly felt like a fool just standing in a bat suit, chatting and having coffee with somebody. You... Look like a drunken party-goer on Halloween or something. And the cowl is so damn tight. It gives you headaches and puts you in a foul mood. You're in a rage for, af- for after an hour. Yeah, no shit. I heard about his rage. Yeah, <laughs> Fuck you, Christian Bale. Michael Chiklis on the Thing costume. Oh, man. That thing had to be uncomfortable as hell. It's like... It's a little like being in the seventh circle of hell, but, <laughs> but in a good way, in that at the end of the day, honestly, sure, it's hot, it's uncomfortable, it's cumbersome, but when you see it, it really is extraordinary. See, that's all right. See, see that's, he, a, that's a good yeah. attitude. He realizes, yeah, this looks awesome, and he's going to look awesome. He did look awesome, despite well, was, how shitty the movie he was. was. He's a comic fan, so I yeah. mean... That helps. Yeah, I, I'm sure he was sitting there thinking... He was the best like, thing about that film. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I'm sure he was, like, all, the whole time, if any, like, negative thought popped into his head, it's like, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth thing. it. And he was an awesome thing. He I really was. Anyone else as being the thing. And in fact, if they ever redo those films, they're just going to have him in it. That would be nice. Thing I guess they're just going to go with the CGI one, though. Uh, really? Yeah, that's what I hear. Boo. Yes. Tobey Maguire on the black Spider-Man suit. Oh, he's a little whiner. I think the new black costume is kind of cool, but it's just a little uncomfortable. It can ride up in the crotch a little bit. It's not really the outerwear of the suit. It's the, the inner bit that rides up. At least it's not itchy. Yeah, that's all. Wait, is, isn't that basically the reverse of the line he uses in the movie? Mm. Kind of, yeah. When the guy yeah. says, nice costume, he's like, yeah, except it rides up a little bit. Itches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And finally... Burt Ward from for the Robin costume, the old TV <laughs> Batman show. Quote, Burt Ward. We found that just by the way we stood, it affected women dramatically. And if you look at our show, you'll see that we always stood with our legs open, our fists on our hips, and our bat bulges forward, which had a profound effect on women. Actually, that last one's not a complaint. That's just a... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The bat bulges. <laughs> the fucking word. Yeah. He knows, he knows where his bread's buttered. Oh, man. Buttered your bread. Yeah. And that's it for the list. And that's it for Geek Shock Geek this Shock. week. But uh, if you go to Bat Bulge, write to us, comment at uglycouchshow.com. Actually, if you have a bat bulge, you just keep it to yourself. And <laughs> don't forget to watch The Ugly Couch Show because there are more episodes coming, we swear. As yes. soon as Civ 5 is. Just run its course. Civ fight is, is really I killing editing right now. If I have to drive to Barry's house and physically handcuff him to the keyboard of the I editing love machine, Civilization Five, I will do my that. My God, I'm playing it like a fiend. This was almost the Civ cast tonight. <laughs> and thanks all of you who who have been writing uh, reviews of the show on iTunes and and all your favorite uh, podcast aggregators. We really, really thank you for that support because it uh, it's what really drives yes. the popularity of the show. And, We're getting uh, up there, folks. We're getting up there. But uh, that's it for this week. So uh, until next week, I am Master Torgo. I am Dr. Vlarg. 80s Jeff. And go do something geeky, for God's sake. Like buy Civilization Five. You've earned it. Don't do it. Don't buy it. No, buy, do it. It. buy it. You have to. Buy you, it. You must know. And then I can beat you at it. Do it. Go ahead, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Go ahead, do it. 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 Do it
sing about 